When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Kenny and JT Show, carrying you through until 6.30 tonight when we turn it over to the Cavs Audioverse as they welcome the Phoenix Suns to Cleveland tonight. Tim Alcorn will have the call for you here on WHBC. We'll also have the Browns and the Steelers Sunday on WHBC for you. And to preview that matchup, let's go to the Steel City right now and the godfather of Pittsburgh sports at ESPN 970 in Pittsburgh. Stan Saverin joins us once again. Stan, thanks for making time for us, and Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure to be on with you. And uh, at least twice a year we do this, Stan, right? Steelers-Browns, Browns-Steelers. This is the second meeting and final game for sure for the Browns. We know that, but it may not be the final game for the Pittsburgh Steelers should they get a victory and some help. Stan, how the hell are they still in the playoff race? Well, I think it says more about the the playoff race than it does about them individually. I mean, there are several teams that are still alive going into the final Sunday um, who aren't very good football teams, uh, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Steelers. Um, but that's what the league likes, all these opportunities for teams to get in, 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. Uh, Pete Rozelle's great dream of parity. So I think it's really all about that. Um, I predicted the Steelers would go 9-8 and eight this year and maybe be a fringe team for the playoffs. I did not think they would make it this way. i got to be honest and up front. When they were 2-6, and six, I left them for dead. And I right. thought that it would be best if they lost games to improve their draft status. They needed so much help in so many different areas. But in this stretch where they've climbed back to 8-8, eight and eight, perhaps they've gotten some answers to some of the questions that they had when they were 2-6. and six. Stan, I, I looked it up when I went on your show earlier today, uh, and, uh, you know, we're doing each other's shows. Eight and eight teams. There are seven of them in the National Football League, and then I'll go one better, Stan, as you pointed out. There are five seven-win teams. So there are 12 teams, Stan, and we always talk about parity in the NFL. That's what they want. There are 12 teams that are basically 500 teams and the Browns and Steelers both have played some bad teams or bad quarterbacks down the stretch, haven't they? They really have. I mean, look, there's a possibility, maybe even a probability, that one team is going to win the division at 8-9, and nine, under 500. Right. Thought about Tennessee, if they win their game against Jacksonville. Um, it's, it's hard to judge the improvement of a team um, because of the opponent. Um, the Steelers have won three in a row, but they've you know beaten Indy, they've beaten Vegas, um, and they did beat Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. But you know they were a ten-win team, with mostly without Lamar Jackson anyway. So um, I think a team gets credit for winning, um, but that doesn't mean they're a good team. And when I'm saying good team, um, I'm talking about the top-tier teams in the NFL, not great teams. I don't think there is a great team in the NFL this year. Uh, but, you know, the upper echelon of the group and the teams that are fighting for the seventh spot are going to get one of those top teams in the first round of the playoffs. Stan, when these two teams face off Sunday at one, in your lifetime, 
I mean, lifetime now. Can you ever remember the Browns in a regular season game going to Pittsburgh with the opportunity to knock that team out of the playoffs? I really can't. Me neither. Um, but usually the, the person who gets knocked out is a Browns coach, usually <laughs> when the last of the regular season is played. I mean, the one time, you know, they, they fired with, you know, in the fourth quarter. The game wasn't even over yet. I'll never forget the Cleveland writers scrambling out of the press box when they got word that they were firing the coach and the season wasn't even over yet. So, no, I mean, the, the, the Steelers haven't been very often in a position where they needed the last Sunday to get into the playoffs. They're either definitely in or definitely out, mostly definitely in. Um, uh, this is not the first time. A couple mm-hmm. years ago, right. the Steelers needed the Browns to win a football game. But Baker Mayfield threw an interception yep. against Baltimore. Yep. Um, if, if they win that game and they only needed a field goal, the Steelers would have gotten in the playoffs. I think that was 18, if I'm not mistaken. But in any event, no, JT, it's, um, it's, it's really unusual. This has been an unusual season yep. for both these teams. The reason I bring that up is because if we look for a reason to play this game, and would Stefanski play Nick Chubb for four quarters? Or do they go to their bench and try to figure out what they're building on for next year? We still don't know. All the way through this season, on a weekly basis, which Browns team is going to show up? Well, Kenny and I discussed this earlier. Um, uh, players get to the last game of the season, and they've got nothing to play for uh, other than professional pride. And I, I, I won't diminish that. I think there is a lot of that. You can't play in that league at that level and not take pride in what you do. And there's a practical matter, too. Um, you know, some guys may or may not be with the team next year. They'd like to prove to the coaches that they belong. Or if not, they want to prove to the rest of the league as they scout them, watch them on tape in the offseason, hey, let's offer this guy a contract. So there is some practical application here. But I think in the, in the bottom of some players' minds, they're going to think, you know what, we're not playing for anything. I got a tea time Monday um, in, in California. Um, I don't want to get hurt. Uh, I don't want to spend a good portion of my offseason rehabbing an injury. I'd rather just enjoy my offseason. And I think subconsciously that's a factor. You know, teams come in, maybe they put up a bit of a fight in the first quarter. If things don't go well, they lay over and they turtle and say, just get me out of here and get me out of here healthy. Uh, I don't know what team is going to show up. Um, uh, motivation should be they have a chance to knock their arch rival out of the playoffs. It would seem to me that would be motivation enough in addition to playing for a job. Yeah, and for the Steelers, going into the game, at least at kickoff, they still have an outside chance of getting into the playoffs, so they do have something to play for. And, and Stan, they made the quarterback switch from Mitch Trubisky, who they signed in the offseason as a free agent. They drafted Kenny Pickett. They waited. They put Pickett in. He's missed a couple of games because of a concussion and whatnot. But he's now their guy, and he's led them to two fourth-quarter comeback wins the last two weeks over Baltimore and the Raiders is he the answer? Is he their future? Because, yeah, those two wins look good, but six touchdowns and nine interceptions, that does not look good. Well, when you stop and think about it, certainly it's a positive. that um, One of the reasons that they drafted Kenny Pickett is because they had great insight because, as you know, um, they practice at the same facility. Um, they're next door to each other. Um, 
Uh, and, and so, obviously, there's a great deal of interaction in the cafeteria, whatnot, going out in the field and all that kind of thing. Uh, I think that they saw in Pickett a kid who had it, <clears throat> in quotes. You know, whatever it is, they thought that he had it. Um, he just got that sort of a dynamic leadership ability about him, even as a rookie, um, albeit a 24-year-old rookie. Um, I think there are a lot of questions yet to be answered. But, yes, he's their guy um, by necessity. They drafted him number one. They brought him in, I thought, a little bit too early this season. They needed to win against the Jets. They thought he'd provide a spark. He did not. He threw interceptions instead. But I think what they've seen in the last six, seven games, they've seen a steady improvement. Not spectacular, although the fourth quarter drives were spectacular. His quarterback ratings, just in the two quarterback drives against the Raiders and then against Baltimore last week, 142.6. He's just been lights out when the lights were brightest. However, those touchdowns he scored late were the only touchdowns of the game. That's not acceptable. You can't win very often scoring one touchdown per game. The one thing they like about him, guys, is that he hasn't made the same mistakes twice. Once he makes a mistake, he seems to have learned from them. Um, There's still a question mark hanging over his head, but in terms of commitment, he's their guy. And I think it'll be an advantage like a year ago. They knew Ben was going to be gone, but they didn't know who their quarterback was. They got Trubisky. They drafted Pickett. Um, They knew that Mason Rudolph was not going to be part of the equation. And they really gave the job to Trubisky without much competition. Now, at least in the offseason, they'll know who the number one quarterback is and prepare him accordingly. Stan, when we think about this, and we know it's a must-win situation for the Steelers this weekend, is it still perceived an arch rival with the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh? No, they look at Baltimore. I thought so. Um, That has changed. Um, It goes back a number of years now since Baltimore left. Uh, I think there are two factors. Number one, the Browns haven't been, for the most part, very competitive in terms of fighting for division titles and playoff spots. And number two, Baltimore has been good. Baltimore's good every year. Uh, and, And I think the fact that they're the old Browns is a factor. But I think really it's it's not even about geography. It's about competitive uh, balance in the AFC North. And if, if, if Pittsburgh is playing Baltimore, chances are there are playoff implications. That hasn't always been the case with the Browns. That can change, and it might change if the Browns become a consistent threat. But right now, Baltimore um, is their arch rival. Stan Savern joining us on the hotline, ESPN 970 of Pittsburgh. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Stan Love the Show, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports. All right, Stan, um, I've been in preparing for your interview on your radio station and you coming on ours. I was looking at various uh, social media outlets and what the people in Pittsburgh are saying. Uh, primetime Pickett, P.T. Pickett. Mike Tomlin, I think, called him Kenny Effing Pickett when he came off the field the other <laughs> night. Uh, I've also seen a nickname for, for Mike Tomlin that I've never heard before, Mediocre Mike, because they haven't won a playoff game since 2016. Um, Mike Tomlin, where is he at in the eyes of the organization and also in the eyes of Steeler fans who, if they don't win this week, again, will not be in the playoffs? Um. I would say the majority of fans are in the Kenny Pickett, uh, the um, Kenny Rodick 
portion of the room. Um, okay. They're tired of the mediocrity, the 8 and 9, the 9 and 8, uh, or when they do make the playoffs, getting blasted in the first round. Um, they want him out, but they've wanted him out for quite some time. Um, the best thing they can say about him, uh, and at least this faction, says that he won a Super Bowl with Bill Cowher's players. Um, that's always true. But when you make a coaching change, generally uh, a coach inherits what's, what's left. I would also say that he won a Super Bowl three years removed from Bill Cowher. Um, some of the players were the same. He has a Hall of Fame quarterback. He hasn't won enough in their opinion. Um, the organization, he's on very solid ground. Uh, there's no worries there. I think that they will look at this comeback and say this is his greatest value as a coach. They're in a year of transition. It's something that, at least overtly, they would not admit. But to their detriment, by not admitting it, they delayed the process. They are in a rebuild. They don't use that word here. Um, They won't use that word here because of the standard of excellence, you know, going way back for all those years that they won Super Bowls. So, but if they wouldn't admit that to themselves, then they're fooling themselves. This is and always was a rebuilding year. And the fact that he brought them back from two and six, whatever happens on Sunday, whether they make the playoffs or not, they will view that as his greatest asset and value as the head coaches. And this is a truism. He's never lost a team. He doesn't lose teams. Teams don't quit on him. You see teams that get off to you know a bad start. They make a little run, then like the Raiders, then they fall off. Um, the Raiders look to me like a team that quit. Um, uh, some teams do that you know, towards the end of the season. Um, his teams never do. They usually finish strong, playoffs or not. So, I mean, he's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, if, if that's the ultimate question, uh, the fans don't like him. They like him out. I think they believe he's arrogant. He talks down his nose at them. Um, and, you know, that's not uh, untrue. I think he does to a degree. But as far as the organization is concerned, Mike Tomlin's going to be here for a while. All right. What about miserable Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator? Because there are a lot of people, myself included, want Joe Woods fired in Cleveland, Mike Prefer fired in Cleveland, uh, D.C. and special teams guy. What about the O.C. miserable Matt in Pittsburgh? Well, you know, it's funny. That's one of the big questions that we get, um, especially on the postgame show uh, after, after games. Is this improved offense? And it's, it's somewhat better than it's been. That doesn't mean it's good, mind you, but it's better than it had been. Um, what does this do for Matt Canada? Does he ride the Kenny Pickett wave in the fourth quarter and say, look, he's calling better plays? I'm, I'm hearing that all the time now during the winning streak. You know what? It really seems like Matt Canada's doing a better job. Well, maybe the players are doing a better job of executing. Um, you know, it takes two to tango. Um, that's one of the great questions. The majority, um, if not a, an absolute avalanche of people, want Matt Canada gone. They think that they've got some players in place offensively with Pickett and George Pickens and Najee and Pat Fryermuth um, and, and uh, Deontay Johnson and a kid who's uh, missed the whole year this year um, because of an injury, Calvin Austin. Um, they think they've got some offensive talent but they don't think that it will come to fruition if Matt Canada's is still the O.C. Uh, I tend to agree. Uh, I've talked to too many people, uh, sources around the league, coaches, uh, scouts, who look at Matt Canada's offense and saying it's elementary. 
Uh, defensive coordinators spend less time preparing for the Steelers than any other team because they don't have to. The route concept, the route trees are elementary. They're not advanced like you see, uh, you know, with Kansas City and Buffalo and San Francisco. Um, I think they, I think they're assembling some nice offensive talent. Um, but I don't know if this guy, this coordinator, knows how to get the best of that promising group. All goes back to me to personnel versus, uh, you know, the scheme. And we have the same situation. We both have agreed that they should probably move on from Joe Woods in Cleveland as defensive coordinator. But when you look at that defense over the last five games, their secondary is in the top five in the league. It's unbelievable what a roller coaster ride of a season this is. And for everyone who wants Tomlin fired, I would say this. When you think about Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers and never being sub-500, remember, be careful what you wish for. When we're talking baseball in Cleveland, who's the greatest manager of all time? Terry Francona. What's he want us? Literally. Yeah, well, a, a shot at a, a championship, but nothing But nobody says fire Terry Francona. Why would right. you want to fire a coach that's won two Super Bowls and has never been sub-500? Believe me, I know what that's like. We fire coaches like you change your underwear. Uh, he's only won one, JT. He's been to two. He's only Tomlin's only won one since he, he's been there. So, uh, but it, that's what he's got been in his to corner. two. We haven't been yeah. to one. Yeah, uh, he he has that on his resume. How long will that last? How long will will, will that buy him uh, another year? The fact that we he's don't been make to two playoffs. One. Well. The Steelers might not either. See, see what we go through every day on the show, uh, Stan? Right? I, uh, I, I understand both sides of it. Um, uh, again, around here, the expectations are different. I think people yep. live in the past. Um, you know, it, 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 and you know this, Kenny, as well as anyone. Um, the perfect description of, of, of Pittsburgh, uh, just as a, as a general attitude, it takes six Pittsburghers to change a light bulb. <laughs> one to actually change the bulb, yeah, yeah. and the other five to talk about how great the old one was. Um, <laughs> They're talking about those one for the thumb, and now we start the other one. We've heard them all, Stan. Exactly. I mean, so yeah. I mean, they expect more. But again, I, a realistic approach to this team this year was it's a rebuild. Um, they were nine seven and one last year. They had to change a lot of things, beginning with the quarterback. I mean, you can't ignore that the Hall of Fame quarterback was leaving. I mean, he wasn't the same guy as his prime, but he's still, you know, good enough to get them to 9-7-1. and one. He had like seven of the nine victories he won in the fourth quarter when he was trailing. That's what Ben did. Um, mm-hmm. So they're in transition. Um, and, and to expect anything more, at least this year, uh, I thought was foolish. Um, now, next year, the expectations will be the same, and they're going to have to be better. But I agree with Kenny. I mean, you can't live... Uh, on your last Super Bowl, you know, being 12 years ago. I mean, at some point, and you haven't won a playoff game since 16, and, and worse yet, the playoff games in which you have participated, you've been humiliated. You've been embarrassed. Um, that shows you how far they are from the Buffaloes and the Cincinnati's um, or, and Kansas City's of the world. That is not acceptable. I got you. Stan, before we turn you loose, real quick, E.J. Borghetti from Pitt Athletic Department said to say hello to you. E.J. is one of the great guys of all time. His dad was a star player at Pitt. E.J. has been in athletic administration at Pitt for a number of years. I consider him a friend. Um, I guess I gather you had him on the show. Um, 
He's a great guy. I'm glad. I'm, you know, I should talk to him directly instead of through you, uh, you two guys. <laughs> Stan, we always appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll talk again soon. All right, pal? You got it. Thanks very much. Happy New Year, guys. There he is, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports, the one, the only, Stan Saverin, breaking it down for you here on the Kenny and JT Show.